Hey, TABC family, welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us as we seek to go deeper into Sunday's teaching and ask the questions that will help us live out God's word in our daily lives. That's why we do this podcast, to equip the followers of Jesus here at 12th to grow in obedience and affection for him every day. Our hope is that at 12th, we would be a biblical community of kingdom people who are joining God in the restoration of all things, one person, one place at a time. And our desire is that our time together today equips you to do just that. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody, Garen and Jordan coming to you talking about the sermon that he did yesterday, January 22nd. And uh, we just had a little tech issue and I spent like five minutes trying to find the most like complicated uh, fix. And then it was just like my headphones were really plugged in. It was just turn your headphones on. Yeah, I felt really dumb. So (laughs) I'm coming into this episode really humble and just realizing that I'm not a very smart person. So, um, hey, yesterday we had a topic that I have not really heard talked about a lot from the pulpit, Mm. which I think is kind of a theme with you. That's kind of your thing. And I really appreciate it is that you're willing to talk about things that others aren't. Um, I got a text from somebody who said it was just so powerful and one of the one of their favorite things they've heard from 12th in a long time. And so I hope the response was good. I think it was. I think you did it really well. But nonetheless, kind of a kind of a sensitive topic. Yeah. Very you, much so. You talked about right to life. And that is such a hot button thing, not just in culture, but I think in the church too. We yeah. even have people on both sides who who feel really strongly about it. And so um I'll let, I'll let you speak about the position, but I, I just wanted to start by asking Aaron why this topic and why now? If somebody just dropped into yeah, a random if Sunday, they just showed up. They're like, whoa, yeah. what did I step into here? He's really just going for it. We don't really ease in in this church. We just talk about it, which I really appreciate. But why this topic and, and why now, Garen? Yeah, I, it, it actually, it's kudos to my daughter, Ariel, last year. Um, I think on Right to Life Sunday, the one after she said, hey, it was, or it is Right to Life Sunday. And she said, you know, we should, you should talk about that sometime. And I'm like, you're right. And so I decided a year ago that I was going to do this. And I'm not going to do it every year because preaching one sermon out of 52 every year on abortion is not going to build the body up. But I might come back to it in a few years because there are some more texts. We can talk about that in a minute. But I did feel like it was important to to give people at least one text that to me showed very strongly the biblical basis that God cares about the life of the unborn to the same degree he does of the born. And I just thought we need to get this in our belt. Um, I think the truth of God is important and we, you know, we can't avoid all the issues going on in culture. We need to know how to think biblically and to be reminded the Bible is authoritative in our life on issues like this. So, that's it. It really goes back to Ariel, kind of challenging me to do it. So shout out Ariel on the assist there. That was good. Um, so it was right to life Sunday, which is why you taught it. And the the title of the sermon was actually was it like every believer matters or something or what oh, was it? Yeah, it was a lot more interesting. It was just a theology of the humanity of the unborn. That's a that's a. I'm really great at titles. You know that. If you put that on a book, I'm not sure it would sell a lot of titles. But I sh- yeah, I should be in mar- I should get into marketing when I retire from pastoring. <laughs> <laughs> but but the content was good. Garen, you, you had us camped out in Exodus yesterday. And my first thought is, 
Karen, can you even teach a whole sermon from the Old Testament? Don't you need to <laughs> sprinkle in some New Testament to like make it relevant? Because yeah, we didn't even yeah, it was the Old Testament is just like outdated, it's, right? Yeah, you can't it's really old. Teach from that. It's yeah, you know, if it's interesting, if you were to sit around in our family suppers over the years, um, Ariel again would have been all of our kids, but we're we're like we just never hear anything in the Old Testament, and it's so foundational to the New, and like. So I'm not afraid to go there. You know, you guys did Ruth last fall with the youth and I would do it. I think, you know, we need to do both. We don't just need to camp in the, the new. Because if you don't understand the old, the old sets up a lot in the new. So, um, and, you know, the Torah is important and it lays laws that are foundational that carry through into the New Testament. We can talk about that in a minute. But. So it's good that we um, are in the Old Testament, just like the new, because we don't want to discard it. Right, Jesus didn't come to discard the Old Testament, but to fulfill it. Yes. And so when we get that backstory, that's useful for our faith. But as far as teaching people to follow an ethic that comes from it, isn't that pretty outdated? I mean, you're not teaching on like stoning or unclean, you know, regulations yes. inside the tabernacle. Like, why? Why does this have any bearing on our lives in 2023? I guess is my question to you. So what I would say is that in the the Torah and the law, there's really three kinds of laws. There are civic. Yeah, the civic, the ceremonial, the ceremonial, and um, moral. The, the moral law. Cool. And that the moral law are things that you see repeated throughout the Old Testament and repeated in the New Testament. And so those are things that, that do carry over, that do flow out of the truth of who God is. God mm. is the giver of life. And so anything that takes life is just morally wrong, right? And from Genesis all the way through Revelation. That's why, you know, in Genesis, after the... Um, the flood and no one, he makes a covenant. He only mentions one moral law. And he says, if human takes life, you'll take his life. Like that is so important to him. It's, it occurs early in Genesis. So yeah, moral law is something that you see consistently throughout. The other stuff about cooking goats and milk and all that, that was really cultural and wasn't part of the moral law. It was more a cer ceremonial or civil thing. Yeah. So you're looking for those threads that we, that go throughout the whole scripture. Those are the things that, uh, that's, that are the moral law that are based on God's character. So I'm good to have goat tacos this. <laughs> yeah, you can. For lunch today. Yeah, like with sour cream on them. With yep. goat sour cream. Yes. That's, that's all on the yeah. table? That's okay. all. Good. Excellent. That's all good. Um, so this message was about ab abortion, right? Like yeah. it does speak to that because you even said in your message, you know, the word abortion is not in the Bible anywhere. It's not in this text. And yet it still speaks to that. Can you make that connection for us? Because what if there's somebody out there who's saying, all I heard was Garen talk about, I, and you can even say the chapter, I forget the chapter in Exodus, but he talked about a uh, woman getting inadvertently injured between a fight uh, of two men in, in Israel two, 3,000 years ago. Like, tell me how this applies to yeah. abortion in 2023. So can you make that leap for us? Yeah. So what, and again, you're right. And I tried to make that point yesterday that in the ancient Near East, in their culture, people weren't aborting babies. That was not something that was happening. And so it's not speaking specifically to that. But what it's doing, though, is it's God's giving us an underlying thing. It's one law he put in there about what happens if not just a woman, but an unborn child is injured or perhaps killed. And he's saying that, this, that it is equally sinful no matter who is injured, and there is a punishment no matter who is injured. And so it's his way of kind of laying the groundwork of saying that unborn life is a human life, and I value it as much as the born life, so to speak. And restitution and punishment has to apply to both of those because in his eyes, they're equally important. So to me, it lays that 
that foundation, that underneath foundation that we can apply to a lot of, a lot of things. So it's, it's not God saying, Hey, you know, clearly do not do, do not commit abortion. Do not do this thing. It's not God saying that, but it is God putting equal value on an unborn life with a born life. Yes, exactly. Which the implications of that would be that us making a decision to unnecessarily end uh-huh. that unborn life would uh-huh. be against what God wants. Yeah, would exactly. be against his character. Yeah. If he had said, if he had put in Exodus 21, 20 or 22, uh, thou shalt not commit abortion, nobody, they wouldn't even know what he was talking about because mm-hmm. they didn't do it. But he's laying the principle down in a way of something that really could happen and does happen, I'm sure in history, and that this is a legitimate thing that can happen. And I'm laying down right now the principle of how I feel about all of life, including life in the womb. So if it's this clear, why are people still fighting over it? Yeah. You know, people didn't fight over it till about 20, 30, well, 50, gosh, I'm so old, (laughs) 50 years ago. um, There's a book written by a guy named Truman that talks about how our cultures shift in thinking. And and it all goes back to when we talked about identity. It's our culture's emphasis now. It's upon you. It's upon your truth, what you think, what you feel. Everything's a commodity, including if, I have a, if I'm pregnant, that's just a commodity that I can choose to do with whatever I want. What matters is my life and my happiness. And, and so people are very, our culture shifted and it's very self-focused. And so it, it's everything. You see it in divorce, everything. Divorce, the way we do sexual relationships, everything's about kind of me and what do I want and what, what do I want to get out of it. So if I hear you correctly, um, people make decisions with their hearts more than their minds, maybe. Is that right? Or Yeah, their feelings and, and more about them than they do other people. It's that whole focus on that, that self-expression, that individual expressivism, that extreme individuality, that life is about me. I define my life. I define right and wrong for me. I do what's good for me, ah, period. Okay. And that would really shape every decision. Every decision. And so it affects everything, including what we do with pregnancy these days. Okay. Let me ask you another question real quick. You always say that if the Bible says something once, it's not that it doesn't matter, right. but it just carries a lot more weight if there's a common thread through scripture or if it's mentioned several times or if there's a word that's repeated in yes, the passage. You're right. like, okay, God really cares about this. This Exodus passage, I think you demonstrated, clearly speaks to God's care for, the, for an unborn life, yes. that he values it the same as a born life. Um, but is that something we see other places or is this really like the, the main argument we can use in this position that we hold? Yeah, actually that one I picked is kind of the one, the weird one, probably not many people would use. Say, <laughs> right? Not, not people going to Exodus for this one. <laughs> yeah, but because I think there's a, several reasons. I won't go into why I chose that one. No, we could go to Psalm 139. I just heard it on the radio yesterday. Somebody was quoting it. Um, how the God knit me in his womb and he planned my days and he knew me. And it's that deep, intimate Hebrew word, like a deep, intimate knowledge of him choosing and calling Jerem. Lots of people, like before you were born, I knew you in Ephesians that, you know, in Ephesians 1, he had us in mind even before the creation of the world. So that, that even before we, that, that it's not just once I'm born, like, oh, there I'm important, but that he calls people even when they're still in their mother's womb, that he knows who they are, that he's designed us very specifically, that he has a mission, Ephesians 2.10. So there's a, number, there's a number of threads that in a couple of years we might come back to. Hmm. Maybe that's one you and I could do together. That'd be a good one. Man, that'll be good. I don't know if I'm as brave as you though. <laughs> <laughs> 
Remember what we said last week? Oh, right. So I'm I, the softball yeah, guy. You're the, yeah, you're the, you're the heavy I, hitter. Yeah, heavy hitter. I'm the softball guy. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, man, kind of just lost my train of thought on that one. Yeah, but there, there are other, there's other places we go through scripture that talk about that. The other thing I would say is very early on, because this was a common practice in the Roman world, um, infanticide and, and abortion of different ways, very early on, the early church, that was one of the main things that they focused on. Um, that they came against in the Roman Empire. And it was very common, you know, parents were constantly in the Roman Empire, were throwing ba- baby to be born. It's a girl. They go throw it in the trash heap. Christians would go daily in the trash heap, collect the babies, take them home, and adopt them into their huh. families. So I-, I know that it's well defended in scripture, and you've shown us a few places, but is it safe to say that it is just as well defended, if not better defended, by just the overall character of God? And just knowing who he is yeah. and that he is not one who made us so that we could serve our own convenience and our own desires. And, and abortion is, I mean, it's, it's an abortion of convenience most of the time, right? That right. We, we don't want to do this, right? So, and if you know the heart of God, it's not, it's just not in line with who he is or what he wants, right? That he would, he would hate to see his creation needlessly destroyed. Now, yeah. medical issues and things aside, I mean, I, I understand all that's real and that's a whole other conversation, but just the, the um, convenient abortion to, hey, I'm not ready for this or yep. I don't, I'm not, I don't want to do this. It's going to cost me money. I don't want it. That's, I don't, a, right. that's just, a, it's just so against the heart of God. And maybe that's part of what it makes it so hard to, I don't want to say argue, but argue our position with someone who doesn't understand the heart of God because it's like, if you knew my father, if you knew who he was and what he valued, this wouldn't even be a conversation. But you're at, you don't, so you're asking for hard evidence in a two thousand year old or more document. Where you've got to really look into context and understand what's going on there to see the heart of God. Yeah. And most people don't want to do or or can't do that work, right? Like they don't understand it. Yeah. So it's it's tough. It's yeah. tough to talk about this with people. Yeah, it is. It is hard to talk about. You uh, you mentioned that. This was this became an issue maybe like fifty-ish years ago. You said yeah, early in right. culture kind of rose up. Yes, and that generation really pushed against it. Really swung the pendulum all the way to the end of we're going to beat the pro-life drum. We're going to make this our number one issue, and, and it got a lot of attention. Right, and in, and in hearing you talk before this, you said and correct me if I'm wrong, but in recent years, younger generations have seen that, and maybe it's just natural to push against what older generations do and swing the pendulum the other way. So younger generations, maybe meaning, would you say millennials or just Gen Xers or not Gen Xers, uh, Gen Zers? Yeah, probably both. Millennials and Gen Zers um, have kind of swung the pendulum the other way. And not to say that they're on the other side of the issue, but they just don't feel as passionately about this as maybe- It's kind of like, meh, I mean- Right. Got, we got more important justice fish to fry. Yes, we've got bigger social justice yes. issues to fry. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. So you've seen that kind of happen. Is that right? Yeah. In the last couple of years, I've had two conversations with younger groups where a number of them are like, it doesn't really matter to us that much. We don't care about, I mean, it's there, but it's not a big issue. But there's there's some in that group who, in both of those conversations, there were some who were like, how can you not care about this? This is about life. And life is so important to God. It's like one of the most important things in, in the Bible is, is life and protecting life and not taking life. And so I, that was part of the reason I did this is I really feel like um, I'd like to pull some of that generation a bit back and say, this re- issue is really important because it is about human life. And that is a high priority to God. It is one of the most important commands. So, um, yeah, but what I think people reacted against that even I reacted against is 
is people got almost mean about this, Jordan. When we moved here in 1990, there were protests going on in Wichita. It was called the Summer of Something. My brother went down and he came back and he said, I was with all these Christians and he said, it was hateful. The way they acted was hateful. He said, I am not going back down there because that is not the way of Jesus. And I think people have seen some of that and have reacted against it. And what they, it's almost to throw the baby out of the bathwater. That issue then, to me, I'm just not going to deal with it. But the problem is not the issue. The problem is the way we've dealt with it. So what we need to do is we need to know the truth and stand strong on the issue because it really does matter. Life matters. But we can't make it a weapon against people. And that's what happened. So we've got to live in that tension of grace and truth. And I was trying to, trying to kind of speak into that yesterday. Hmm. So I think the main thing that people want to know coming away from this is, Garen, you know the Bible so well. You have a platform to speak about this, so you do. You know, I just work down at Simmons or <laughs> yes. I just work at, you know, Sports Connection or whatever. Like, it's not really my job to talk about this. So, A, how outspoken should I be about it? Yep. If, even if, you know, if I feel strongly, how outspoken should I be? And then B, what if there's somebody in my life that is just so on the other side and so outspoken, like how do I speak to them about this without being hateful and turning others off to the gospel with my actions and attitudes? I have two thoughts on that. Number one, I've always said this and I still believe this, that the, the main conversation we need to be having and the, the thing we need to be pointing to is not, in political, is not an issue, but it needs to be Jesus. And there were Numerous times that people would say, like to me, I, ju I just got to know as a Christian, like, what's your stand on that? And I would, and they were, what they were wanting to do was to get into debate on that. And I knew it wouldn't go anywhere. And I always tried to steer people, let's talk about Jesus. Because what I knew is, is I'm not going to change an unrepentant, I mean, an unregenerate heart is not going to change on most issues, right? Yeah, right. The people need Jesus. They need a relationship with him. They need the Holy Spirit. Then the, then scripture becomes authoritative. And then those conversations are much more productive. So on, it's not going to change most people. Hmm. I want them pointed to Jesus. What they need is Jesus. They don't need a political view or they don't need, not a, I don't even want to call it a political view. They don't need my moral view. What they need is Jesus. But I will also say there were times I would find myself in a conversation where maybe there was a group or some people talking where it was an honest question and, and there was very civil conversation of people wanting to hear point of views. And if it's that, I'm more than happy to do that. But I really want people to know Jesus. And I'm constantly trying to steer people towards him and not towards the controversial things. Because in our day and age, people just blow you off and immediately run to extremes. And what they need is Jesus. So that I still feel like Jesus is where we need to keep the focus. That's kind of why I ended the way I did yesterday. Right. So if I'm hearing you correctly, it takes some wisdom to know how and when to speak. Yes. It's not just a carte blanche. Hey, you need to beat this drum every day, all the time. Yep you know, preach the, tr preach the truth hard. And if anybody dislikes you for it, well, that's their problem. It's not that. It's be wise, right, about how to say this and how to sprinkle it in with sweetness, a little bit of salt, a little bit of sweetness, make it, make it a good conversation and not just you talking at somebody. Yep, exactly. That's, that's not going to be helpful. Yeah. And the other thing I hear, wow, which I guess I probably knew but never really thought about was you said that an unregenerate heart, meaning someone who does not have the Holy Spirit inside them, does not know Jesus as the Lord and Savior, has not had their mind transformed by the gospel, is not going to react to scripture and say, oh, that may, oh, you know what? You made a good yeah, point. Uh -huh. Okay, y'all yep. believe that now. It's just not going to happen, which I don't, I guess I've never seen that or expected to happen, but it just, 
yeah, it makes sense that we can't lean on this. And we should lean on scripture and say, well, this is why we believe what we do. And, and it's good to explain that, but it's not going to be useful for changing somebody's mind who doesn't know Jesus probably. It's more useful for once they encounter Jesus and the Holy Spirit gets a hold of them and changes their heart, then they can go and say, okay, well, this is what God really says about yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. And it does take discernment. That's, you know, over the years, I talked with a number of atheists and I learned pretty early on there's some people, you can tell in their demeanor, when they want, they're like, I want you to defend your faith. You can tell you're just, because I had those two hour conversations and nothing, you go nowhere. Sure. And with those people, when I, when I would sense that, I'd say, you know what? I just want to tell you something really important. <laughs> you may not really think this or believe this, but I just want you to know God passionately loves you. He loves you so much. He created you. He gave his life for you. And I would just leave it at that because I felt like that's what they needed. Mm. There would be sometimes an atheist who I could tell they legitimately, like there were some Muslims who had left their faith. And they're like, I kind of moved to atheism. I'm a little bit intrigued by Christianity, but I need you to I need you to make a good case for me. I would talk about mm, that. So yeah, yeah. yeah, very much discernment. What's what's going on? Is it somebody that really wants to know? Like, can you give me some good reasons why you stand and it's not gonna push them away? I'm willing to have that conversation, but I still feel like most people just need Jesus and yeah. I don't need to be hitting on those issues as my main thing. So Jesus has got to be the main thing. We need to think about what the other person needs to hear as opposed to what we just want to say, yes. probably. Yep. Is that, is that why? Definitely. Yep. Because so often we're like, you know what? I know, I know where I'm going to go in scripture. I know my bullet points I'm going to hit. And just, man, we unleash it on whoever is in our way. And sometimes it's like, you, you got to have eyes to see this person is not open to the gospel and beating them over the head with Exodus is not going to get anywhere. Yep. It's not going to do anything. So let's just have a conversation about who the person of Jesus is and let them know that he cares about them and let the Holy Spirit work, right? Because yep. it's not your job or my job or anybody's job to convince somebody to be a Christian. It's to show them truth. It's to pray for them and love them and live as an example of Jesus and then let the Holy Spirit take over because he's the one that does the work, right? Yeah, exactly. So That's... we, we got to know our role. Yep, definitely. And things get stressful and things get tenuous and things get really like uncomfortable inside us when we step outside our role and try and do too much, probably. Yeah. When we feel like it's on us. Yeah. At right. least for me. Yes, that, all of us. I agree with that. That's how I have felt. Yep. So, okay. All right, guys, hope this was useful for you. Um, yeah, Garen, once again, I just so appreciate talking about these things and I'm so glad you you do those with us. So any any closing thoughts? Yeah, two like quick that? things. Can I throw out a resource? I didn't yesterday. If somebody wants to read, if somebody wants to learn more about this topic and maybe have good if they do get in a conversation and they want to speak thoughtfully to a person who really has questions or um, Peter Kraft wrote a book called The Unaborted Socrates, which is the best book I've read on the topic. Very easy to read. I love the way he writes. It's very deep and profound. So I want to throw that out. One other quick thing. A guy came to me yesterday and he said, well, Jesus says, you've heard an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I say, and he says, didn't Jesus throw this whole thing out? At least the eye for eye, tooth mm, for tooth. Mm -hmm. Really great question because I thought about that last week. And if I can hit that really quick. Sure, yeah. When Jesus is hitting those, um, like he says, you've heard it said, you know, love your friends, but hate your enemies. That's not even in the Old Testament. What Jesus is dealing with in the Sermon on the Mount isn't the Torah. He had just said in earlier, I didn't come to get rid of the Torah, right? Not one, you know, word of it's going to fail. Mm -hmm. He, what he's saying is, is the way it's being taught right now, the way you're hearing it from the rabbis and the Pharisees isn't right. And that eye for eye and tooth for tooth, they were... They weren't cutting people's arms, hands off and that kind of stuff. That's not what was happening. But what they were doing is they had made it an attitude towards people that was very judgmental. And they were just, they were harsh on people and they were nitpicky. And he's like, that whole attitude, that eye fry tooth for tooth, that's not the intent. That's not what God mm -hmm. meant. So that's, I just wanted to say that because somebody 
asked me about that. So history. they had weaponized that. They had weaponized it against people. Yeah. Yes, exactly. The very, yeah. So, and that's what I was trying to say we shouldn't do. So, yeah, they should have listened to your sermon because you said, yeah, that if the clearly. Pharisees had only paid attention <laughs> and took notes, then, <laughs> yeah, this is not something to be weaponized. There's enough um, strife that we don't need to add to the fire of, you know, coming at someone with a scripture and, with, yes. and, and looking and, for a gotcha moment. Yes. Or a, it's yep. just not exactly. what it's about. Yep. So, okay. Yeah, good way to end it there. Yep, we so, went a little long, but I think this is an important topic. So. I think so too. If there's anything that deserved a little extra time, it was probably this. So, Garen, thank you. I'm, if anyone has more questions about this or maybe it struck them in a way and challenged them, are they free to reach out to you and chat with you? Yeah, free to reach out. Or if they've been impacted by this anyway and just need to talk. Yeah, sure. Would love to do that. Okay, all right. Thank you guys. We'll see you next week.